For our first message today, we'll have a split sermon from Mr. David Hope entitled Leadership Development. Mr. Hope. Thank you, Mr. Nolan. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, it feels good to feel good. Oh, and I know there are some people out there today that aren't feeling so well. Uh, understand Matthew has, uh, Matthew still has kind of a head problem. Uh, my wife has it. She gave it to me. She had it last week and for a few days, turned around and gave it to me. I had it over part of the Sunday, Monday, and, and what have you, and, and I didn't like it, so I gave it back to her. And uh, she's home. Hopefully she's able to watch it on the Internet today and, and some of the other people. And uh, you know, I know how you feel, you know, if, if it's the same thing we have, you know, from about here up, you feel like your head's, you know, about to explode and it drains down into your throat and makes you cough and it's a miserable thing. But I, you know, the last couple of days I really have felt good. Yesterday my energy level was good and uh, I didn't even use some automated equipment. I used my strictly power manual stuff, you know. And, Body did great, you know. I feel good. I felt like I'm almost 68 again. <laughs> I'll be 70 next month. <laughs> anyway, it feels good, feel good, and good to see the people that are here today. Uh, we see some new people here. Glad to have you here with us today. And uh, you see the title of my message is Leadership Development. Last week, Mr. Gregory, our pastor, uh, announced that we're considering, actually it's not considering now, it's considered that we're adding to the leadership of the Tulsa Church, Tulsa Church of God. And that's the topic I'll be talking about today is leadership. And, and at one time uh, I, I, I started to say upgrading the leadership, but that's, that was kind of a negative thing. <laughs> you know, you upgrade computers, you upgrade your car, but you don't upgrade the leadership which means, you know, that there's something wrong with them. So we're actually adding to and augmenting and, and adding to the leadership of the Tulsa Church of God. And as most of you know, especially if you've been in the business world, but even if you haven't been, you know that success or failure can depend a great deal on, in, in any uh, business, any club, any organization, association, a church, or even a family. The success can depend to a great degree upon its leadership. There's no question about it. And here's a couple of definitions of leadership. There's a lot more, but I just picked out some just so I wouldn't have to read too many of them. Uh, the office or position of the head of a political party or other body of people. Of course, we're not a political body, but anyway. And the ability to guide, direct, or influence people. That's what good leadership should be able to do. Guidance or direction. Leaders, plural. A group of leaders takes a singular or plural verb. And the leadership of the Tulsa Church will be plural. And it is plural even now. It's plural. We do have, uh, you know, a, a uh, recognized authority for the most part, but, but we are plural. We are, we are a group, 
and it's not and it doesn't just depend on the officers of the church that the leaders people and the subject is so big so large that I can't begin to even cover all of it but what I want to do since since uh, we are going to have some ordinations and I think Mr. Gregory told me about the first week in March when, when this is going to happen he let, read some names last week and we're all very excited about that we're very excited But being a leader and being a boss is not necessarily the same thing. We know that from corporations, from groups, that you know a, a good a person that may be a boss isn't necessarily a good leader, and a good leader isn't necessarily a boss. Now that's not putting anything down or up or down either way. I'm just just a statement that that we all that, that uh, leadership uh, comes in various styles. An old minister told me several years ago that a good leader knows how to use the strengths and the abilities and the talents of the people around him. You know, whether it's in the military, whether it's in a corporation, whether it's a church, or, or even in a family. We know the leaders should know or do know uh, the people around them and places people in responsibility to achieve cooperation and to get the job done and get it done right. And a good leader is not one person, not a one-person show. It's not, you know, but a good leader generally shares the responsibility and learns to delegate. He teaches others to be able to do his job and then some. And I think if you look back over the years, the leadership in the Tulsa Church has, has done exactly that, to try to groom people to take on greater responsibilities. Paul gives us some insight on how to develop leadership in the church. We are in a process, like I said, in doing that right now by selecting some deacons and deaconesses, or we have done that. And no doubt, later on down the line, we'll be uh, uh, ordaining more and, and possibly even some elders or elder whatever. You know, that's, that's just something that's going to take place in the church of God as the church of God goes on. You know, some of the older members in the church, uh, uh, Mr. Gregory and Steve and Barnabas and some of the other men that have been around, myself have been around, you know, we may not be around 15, 20, 25 years from now. Hopefully, none of us will be here in this body. Hopefully, we'll be in a spirit body. And I'm, I'm, my intention is not to paint a negative picture, but, you know, a, a lot of us, when we were younger men and younger women, weren't going to be here at this age in this body, you know, according to the prophecies, the way we understood it. And I'm not saying, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a bad thing, because the, the disciples and the people down through years always thought that Christ would come in their day. And if, we, if they hadn't, the enthusiasm, the excitement may not have been there. How would you feel to think, oh, I've got to run in high gear or low gear, whatever the deal is, you know, all power ahead and thrust, you know, to get off the ground and, and to think I'm going to have to do this for 50 years or 30 years. You know, our enthusiasm may not be the same, but if we thought that the booger man was right around the corner, and, and uh, it's like the guy said that, that, that two guys running from a bear, he said, you think you can outrun him? He said, I don't have to. All I have to do is outrun you. But anyway, it didn't, didn't fit quite, but 
it got your attention anyway. But, you know, anyway, we, we all have the idea that the kingdom of God is right around the corner, and if we get out in a car wreck, it has, as far as we're concerned. But anyway, but I'm going to read some scriptures that uh, Lawrence mentioned last week. It's, it's familiar to all of us. We've read it. And uh, it's qualifications for the, the elders and deacons. And while we're reading some of this, I don't think it's wrong for everyone in, in the congregation, young people and all, to try to achieve the standards that are mentioned here. The standards. Not that we're having our desire that we're going to be a pastor or a deacon or a deaconess or, or, or whatever. A good creek chief on a parking is, is good. That's, we need leadership. We need good talents in that. But I'm going to read some scriptures that we read, and, and we'll read them again when it comes time for the ordinations. And uh, most of you probably already have your Bible open to, well, First Timothy 3. Scripture man back here has it on the board. First uh, Timothy 3. This is a true saying. Not a false saying, but a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. So now we were taught years ago, long time ago, that if a person desired to have some leadership ability and uh, maybe even be promoted, that was wrong. It was, you know, you really didn't deserve to be there. But Paul's saying if he desires to be able to do that, he desires a good work. And if he does, here's, here's what should come from this person, or here's what we look for, and this should be in, in all of our lives, period, whether we're ever uh, ordained anything other than whatever. Verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, and apt to teach. And there's nothing wrong with all of us having those qualities. Is that right? Not given to wine, no striker, not filthy, not greedy, a filthy lucre, not in for it for the money, trying to, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Seem like I've been left out all along, you know, fighter, brawler, argumentative. Uh, anyway, I'm working on that. One that rules well. Oh, I do this real good. I, I, I ruled my house with a rod of iron. My kids run around like, you know. No, they didn't. They, uh, anyway, my children all love me, so I, I think we done. my wife had done something right. One that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house... How shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, you know, not a newcomer, no matter how wise, how smart, how brilliant you seem to be. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. And of course, Jesus said, on the other hand, if they like you and they, you know, if they hate you, they're going to hate me. But this, this is not quite in the same thing. You know, we, uh, we all should have a good report of the people in the business world, the people who work with us. Uh, we ought to have a reputation of honesty, sincerity, dedication, of serving our God. Uh, 
a good report without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, you know, in the same manner as, as pertains to the bishop or the pastor or the elders, likewise must the deacons be grave. Not double-tongued, you know, not two-faced, not to have one story for this group, not a good politician, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, knowing what he's talking about on the Bible. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives, and we use this scripture a lot as a connection with the deaconesses also, we use this, uh, even, even so their wives, and like I said, we use this sometimes as a deaconess, even so their wives be grave, not slanderers, and we've, we've seen some of that over the years. Uh, thankfully, we don't have much of that in our church in the last few years. Sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. I guess I could get smart and say, well, does that mean he has to be a, a husband of a wife or he's unqualified or, or, or does he have only one wife? So you, uh, but anyway, but, but basically we've taught that the deacons must be the husband of only one wife, not a bigamist. Ruling their children and their houses well. So a lot of the same qualifications that our deacons and deaconesses will, are, are to have are a lot of the same things that the ministry should have. And like I said before, I think all of us, every one of us should have a great deal of these uh, and, and work on them in our own life. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Jesus Christ. And we need great boldness. We need great boldness in our leaders. We need confidence. We need to be able to stand up for the doctrines of things that we know is the truth of God. And to not be double-tongued, not be a politician, and not be willy-nilly. But have great boldness in the faith of Jesus Christ. These things write I unto you, hoping to come to you shortly. So Paul was wanting, uh, was absent from um, Timothy at the time, but he was giving him some instructions on how to develop leadership in the churches that, that he was to set up. Verse 15, but if I tarry long that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. See, I'm going to read a little bit more. Chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And at one time in the preparation uh, here several days ago, I thought about even going into ah, this way and not going into the leadership, but uh, I'll, I'll still cover a few things. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry, and we know organizations that do that. And commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be given with thanks, to, 
receive with thanksgiving of them who know and below know the truth. And here's another one of those little doctrines that a lot of people try to, to take and say that uh, uh, you can eat anything you want to also. And I'll just go back and, and, and read that just a little bit. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God created to be received. Which ones did God create to be received? We know that in the dietary law. With thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So this is just kind of an aside. We can't eat anything we want, and we know that, and the Scripture here doesn't say that, but if you read over quickly, you, you, you get that opinion. For every creature of God is good. You know, that means skunks, rats, possums, gorillas, horses, pigs, catfish, you know. This, this, isn't this saying, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be received if it, if it be received with thanksgiving? Isn't that what that says? I mean, you know, you want to read it that way, but in verse 5, it says, For it is sanctified, which means set apart. And where is it set apart? By the word of God in prayer. The, the, the food deal is clean and unclean food is set apart in the word of God over in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and other places. So you all have to take it in context. But if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, and we put each of us in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the doctrine wherein you have attained. But refuse vain and profane and old wives' tales, or wives' fables, and exercise rather than to godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that is now, that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all except all expectations or acceptation expectation okay for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is a savior of all men especially those that believe these things command and teach so Paul was given instruction to Timothy on basics on how to raise up the churches that he was going to be doing. And kind of a counterpart to that is over in Titus uh, 1, chapter 1. And uh, it, it's kind of a repeat of this, but uh, Paul was talking to Titus instead of Timothy now, and, and it's still the same purpose. They were setting up churches in different areas. Anybody know a good joke? Yeah, well. Some computers have a tendency of, you know, depends on what your hookup is. You have to, what do you call that word, you know, when they have to catch up? What's that word, computer guys? Buffer, buffered? They have to buffer, you know, some of that buffer. So there may be some out there. Just out of courtesy for some of the people that may have the old dial-up thing, let them buffer a little bit, and I'll just take a drink of water. And... Uh, 
Okay, we should be buffered up. I miss my wife sitting back here because when I really mess up badly, you know, she has this look on her face, you know, I know. Just like you should have done what Lauren said, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And, uh, but anyway, I miss her. I love you, friend. I love you, girl. You know, I say some things that in public, you know, I think uh, not very wise. I, I, I'll make a joke, you know, at her expense, and, and I don't realize sometimes how it affects her. And I think, well, she's just as happy to laugh about it as everybody else is, but, you know, it's kind of disrespectful. So anyway, I, sometimes I do that, and she's not here today for me to do it. And, but anyway, I'm glad she backs me up anyway. Okay, let's get on to the story. Uh, Titus 1, I'm going to read, uh, I guess, that whole chapter and then a big part of the other chapter too. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God cannot lie, promised before the world began. So we have that promise, God cannot lie but has in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior to Titus my own son after the common, common faith grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior for this cause I left you in Crete Here's what I left you there for, that you should set in order the things that I, things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed you. So there was a little bit of a chain of command. Paul, pretty well told Titus, you know, here, here's what we need to do. If any be blameless, and and that word could be or should be uh, above outward reproach, the husband of one wife, as we mentioned over in Timothy. Having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless and a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not no striker, not given to filthy lucre. So do we all pretty well add up to these? You know, do we fit into these categories? I think for a great deal we do, and we're working on it. If we don't, if we fall a little short, we're working on those things but a lover of hospitality and a lover of good things, sober, just, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. Not out on some tangent, not out on some pet peeve, and, and uh, I was bouncing something off of Lawrence the other night, which I hardly ever do. I, I come up to a new understanding, you know. We've, we've heard that in years past. The church has new understanding. Well, the only new understanding I have is somebody else taught me, and if I come up with it myself, it's not really all that new. And uh, But anyway, he, struck, he didn't tell me not to do it. He, he advised me, you know. I said, David, you know, this, you know where this is, where we teach on that. And, and uh, I, basically, I, I, I didn't call him to get that stuff. I wanted his inf input on another matter. And, and, uh, but I'm glad I called him, really, because... Uh, uh, you know, I could get my own pet peeve going here, and that's not good. So, anyway, 
holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine. And this is what Lawrence was encouraging me to, you know, come on, let's just keep with the sound doctrine that we've always been taught. Not that we can't speculate, not that we can't have private thoughts, but get up and start preaching and, and talking about some things that are totally uh, un, unsound with our group, no matter how accurate it might be, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. We've got to be able to convince anyone, if they have even a halfway open mind, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers especially they of the circumcision. And that's one thing that we're always concerned about with the younger generations coming on when the older generation passes away. That, and, and we're convinced that the younger generations and the, and the newer leadership will in time, will be able to stand up and do these things, be able to hold the doctrines and hold the church together and teach their families, especially they of the circumstance, whose mouths must be stopped who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Some people are in it just for the money. One of them themselves, one, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Grecian, Cretans are always liars and evil beasts, slow bellies. <laughs> Can you imagine this? <laughs> this witness is true. You know, Paul didn't deny it. He said, this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth and to the... Let's see where I want to stop. I think I probably already... No, I'll go ahead. And to the pure all things are pure, and to them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their own mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being an abominable and disobedient and to every good work reprobate. Chapter 2, Timothy. But here's some more instruction. But speak you the things which become sound doctrine. How many times is he talking about sound doctrine? That the aged men, aged men, some of us are aged, at the age, where would I go? That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and in charity and patience. Sound like qualifications for a deacon, doesn't it? An elder. Be sound in that. At the aged women likewise, and we've heard this and we have a lot of this. Aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as become holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, and we can see a lot of this right in our own congregation, that they may, and this is talking about the aged women, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. 
and, and I've mentioned before, you know, we don't all, it doesn't always come natural for us to be good, good mates, to be a good wife, to be a good mother. Some people, you know, have not really had the best of upbringing. They've been neglected a lot. And uh, the wisdom of our older women in here, it's just amazing when I sit back and I listen to some of our women talk and listen to some of the answers they have. Even my own wife, you know, sometimes, you know, I hear her on the telephone with talking to some of the nurses that take care of the, the lady that my wife works for. You know, a lot of wisdom there. And, and the same way with you women out here and the things that you do and the, the, the programs that you've developed and taking the Beth Moore program and, and putting it in our, our vernacular and, and the quality that, 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 our, or that our women are doing and, and teaching and laying, saying things that uh, teaching the women that, that we can't do very well up here as men. You know, it's, it's hard for us to, to tell women how to be modest, how we think they ought to be modest. But I've heard some of the things that have gone on in, in some of the, the women's uh, Bible study things that, you know, these women are, are, are right on. You know, they're, they're very, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, be sober-minded. So, we're, you know, Paul's even showing the young people what they need to be doing, how to grow up and how to become uh, good fathers and good church members and to be leaders and pillars in the church. Young men, anyway, I'll read that again. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself a pattern of good works, young men, in doctrine, in showing uncorruptness, gravity and sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say about you, young men. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things and not answering again. Not prolonging, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And we are becoming zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. So, so Paul was, was teaching uh, Timothy and, and Titus both uh, the very basic and elementary things to uh, how to develop and teach a church. Uh, I think I'll cut off on that. I'm going to... Like I said, there's so many scriptures, so many examples we can give. 
and uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking possibly later on I've got a lot of information on leadership itself uh, on how to be a good leader in the church and the home. Uh, Mr. Gregory has even offered to give me some that he's had, the church has had, and uh, you know, anyway, for for a topic later on. If you turn with me now over to Matthew 20, if anyone desires to be a leader, any uh, leader in any capacity in any group, you know. Uh, uh, whether it's a church or a civic group or whatever. Uh, Matthew 20, and Jesus said this in many places. This is a shorter version, so I'm going to, for time's sake, just kind of cut things back. Matthew 20 and verse 25 through 28. But Jesus called them unto him and said, you know that the princesses of the Gentiles execute dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or be your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant or your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give life, or to give his life as a ransom. So if a person's attitude to, in anything is to, to just be the big it, to be, have a title, their, their, their attitude is totally wrong. And if a person has the attitude that, uh, someone else got an ordination and I didn't, or somebody got a position, somebody got a promotion that I did, didn't, well, possibly, in my opinion, they probably really didn't deserve it. I don't care if they desire a good job or not. If, if, they, if they're jealous because somebody else didn't and they're not happy and excited for the, for the people that, that get a promotion, uh, I, I think the attitude, my, my opinion, is, is totally wrong. That, that we should all, and there's many scriptures to back that up. Uh, over the years, the Tulsa Church of God uh, has been involved in developing leadership in the church, and we still are developing leadership in the church, and, and individuals, like I mentioned a while ago, are even taking upon themselves, not being presumptuous, not taking something that doesn't belong to them. Uh, it's all done with permission and in good taste. But but people but we are developing leadership in the, in the Tulsa Church of God. I have strong confidence in the the, the future of, of the churches of God. Even when our little kids are beginning to grow up, and some of the little kids out here now, uh, Chelsea, you know, I remember these girls out here when they were babies, you know, or when their mom was walking around looking like a washtub under, you know. And look at them, the young ladies now, and some of our young men out here, and J.W., you know, coming up here with a little old tie, you know, a little old bitty thing, you know. And, uh, you know, look look where they are, you know. My heart really is, is fond of the leadership that we've had to keep these people around. And one of the most valuable tools, this is my opinion, most valuable tools that uh, I felt in the churches of God was the men's spoke, speech club, the spokesman club that we used to have, and the speech club that we've had here developed tremendous leadership. 
tremendous rounding of the, the male personalities and, and helping the women to come along. And my opinion also, this is just my opinion, the most valuable tool even in the men's spokesman club was the office of a servant, the sergeant of arms. The, one of the most least respected jobs if, you know, I'm not president, I'm not secretary, you know, I'm not treasurer, I'm just a sergeant of arms. <clears throat> Excuse me. Time to buffer again. <clears throat> I don't have much time for that buffer. And I gotta... Anyway, but the, the job of the sergeant of arms teaches the men how to serve. He actually has to get there early, stay late, and in, in some cases able to uh, finagle somebody else into helping them set up tables and do all of that and to keep order. Uh, I, I personally think that, that that is one of the most valuable jobs in the spokesman club that, that we had. It was a, a, a job of service. Like I mentioned a while ago, there's a lot of notes, a lot of thoughts on the subject of leadership. Uh, I don't, don't, don't even begin to have time to get into it right now. But as Jesus said repeatedly, many, many times, Jesus said, if we must, no, we must be humble if we want to be a true leader. We must be humble if we want to be a true leader. <clears throat> 